Welcome to Where's My Blueprint Podcast, where we talk about all things adulting, our experiences, navigating adulthood, and what we learned along the way. We invite you to join our weekly conversations while we create our own blueprints on this amazing journey and hope some of the lessons we learned can help you. Here are my co-hosts, Nay and Sunny D. Hey everybody, it's your girl Sunny D here to brighten up your day. I'm a new business owner transitioning from corporate America. And frankly, I can't trust anybody that don't like tacos. Hey friends, I'm Nay. I'm so excited to share and grow with y'all. I'm a full-time wife, full-time mommy, and part-time employee. Nutella is my love language. This is your girl, Nakai, and I am your host on Where's My Blueprint Podcast. I am so excited to have you guys here, and I love brownies and seaweed. So let's get to the episode. Hey, welcome back to Where's My Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver entertaining, educational, and some inspirational thoughts and comments all about adulting. Happy Wednesday, y'all. I hope everyone had a great Labor Day and was near or y'all got into some type of water because it's hot. Get on some bathing suits and let's live our best life. So you all know the deal, a word from our sponsor. Hey, y'all. Divine Timing is an encouragement and edification company specializing in beautifully designed digital journals and planners to get and keep your life uplifted and in order. Go to fearforme.com to check out the online store. And for all of our WMB listeners, you can use the code WMB22 at checkout to save 22% on everything on the site. So go shopping and get your life. So listeners, you know that every single episode, we start out with a quote. Today's quote is by the one and only Joel Osteen. And it says, it takes the same amount of energy to worry as it does to be positive. Use the energy to think positive and positive things will happen. It's interesting because I think this is like, for me, really, really good, especially with today and having to refocus on positiveness versus negative things that come your way that you're not even ready for. But ladies, what do you think? It's a lie. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, I do think that it does take as much energy to worry as it does to be happy. But just because you think it positive don't mean that positive things are going to happen. The good book even says all things work together for your good. It don't say all things are good. So I think that sets people up for worry and heartache and anger. If you tell them, oh, just think things positively and everything will be positive. No, it might work itself out in the end. But in the moment, it's not always going to be positive. We're telling these people lies. We're selling these people dreams. Let's keep it real. My thoughts were similar-esque. So I think it does take a, the same amount of energy to worry as it does to be happy, just like they said, um, and to be positive. With the caveat that you have subconsciously rewired and trained your brain to think that way. And not everybody is there yet. You know what I'm saying? That takes a lot of introspection. That takes a lot of working on yourself and your mentality in your mindset to redirect that energy and to refocus and to recalibrate yourself. And not everybody has a skill set to do that. And I think this particular quote could not be as helpful for those that don't know what that looks like for them. And some people, they get it. If you get it, you know, like the like the meme says, please don't call me on this because now that I'm thinking about it, I forgot your name. But the ones that get it, get it. And the ones that don't, don't. You know what I mean? But I think you, I think you have to be at a certain level of self-awareness for that to be accurate 
for you. It's a nice thought though. No, and I was just going to add, like, let's also not conflate work being realistic with worrying, like seeing things from all sides as worrying or conflate being like positive with having your head in the clouds or in the sand and, you know, not taking into consideration all the parts. So yeah, I it's going to be a no for me, dog. That's a good point though. It's interesting that you even say that because I think like if you think positive, quote unquote, positive things will happen, right? But it goes back to the mindset of how do you see things? Because it's a similar thing of me to me, like, do you see the glass half full or do you see the glass half empty, right? It's all in your perspective. Now, you both make great point because yes, sometimes we tell people, quote unquote, or like the books that we read tell you just think positive and positive will happen. But at the same time, it's like, well, what work are you doing to ensure the positive things are happening? Because we'll be very blunt. We'll be very transparent today, audience. So today... So today, something happened. Energy is off, right? But thank you that I have two amazing co-hosts that was like, hey, let's pray about this. Because again, prayer prayer works. So we had to hurry up and pray. And the energy for me is now switching. So it's also, what are you doing? And I think we talked about this in a previous episode. It's like, you can want what you want, but what are you doing? The I-N-G, the process to get to what you want. So yeah, I think that was a good quote. I didn't know y'all were going to say what y'all said, so... Yeah, because also like the good book says, faith without works is dead. That part. I just want to say that was a mic drop. Anytime you bring that scripture out, it's a mic drop. (laughs) But we're not dropping these mics. They too expensive. (laughs) So audience, y'all know every single episode is an either or. Time for our either or. Go ahead, either or. A kid with your random songs, you crack me up, man. Okay, guys. So today's either or. We're going to throw it back a bit to childhood. Take yourselves back to when you were in school you had chores and you had homework and all the things would you rather either or no homework or no bedtime for me I didn't even have a bedtime so it was like I go to bed when I want to so I guess by default no homework but then I think of the homework was so easy or I got the answers because God blessed me with people who were very smart so I mean technically neither (laughs) I would say technically you didn't have either (laughs) I mean, is the either or which one would we rather have had growing up or which one did we actually have growing up? Which would you have rather had? I'm also going with neither. And I say that because totally being on brand, I like structure. So I need the homework to let me know that my brain is thinking the same way that other people's brain are thinking because ain't nothing worse than going through and spending your time doing something and being wrong. (laughs) That is the worst. Also, I need a bedtime. But also on brand asterisk, I need a time where I need to be in bed, not necessarily sleep, because that gives me the perimeter and the space to let my head, you know, settle down with the potential to go to sleep. So don't force me to go to sleep, but I do need a bedtime. So yeah, I'm going to say neither. Could we take it to college? Because I don't want homework in college. That homework was ridiculous. Like to the mean, point where we, because we were, I think we were in the same class. Like we were reading like five chapters for one class in a week. Like, like, yeah, no, this is pointless. On now, y'all of the other mini credits that we had. Y'all just need a better teacher. Homework is supposed to make sense. Homework is supposed to be the application and making sure that you understand the theory that was taught in class. Fair enough. College. Did you hear that? So y'all need to run me back my money. I mean, that part. Okay. I mean, honestly, you could have this degree and we could just call it a wash. 
So there's that part. So for me, I think thinking back to my childhood, I was actually the kid that would go back to old teachers like at the end of the school year and ask for all of their unused homework that they didn't get a chance to give out to students throughout the year so that I could play school during the summer with my dolls and make my little brother be in my class and stuff. I really did that. I just legitimately would go to my old teachers and be like, you got some like stuff that y'all didn't get to that I could have. <laughs> do why I was like I don't know I because there there was at one point in my little life that I wanted to be a teacher because I was like oh they get summers off they got holidays it's cool I didn't know no better I was a child so I was like I could totally do that but I like learning like I was a kid that liked to learn things and I liked school and I loved college like with that being said I would probably say nix the homework because I had gotten so obsessed with school and so focused on grades and things like that that I don't think I allowed myself to have as much fun and like like carefreeness and I would I would spend more time being carefree and next to homework but then by that time I'd be tired so I need to go to bed anyway so you took us on a journey you said I all know of that I know and learned it to say you ain't going home work what I know because I feel like I missed out on all the fun because so I was is... too busy playing school okay well interesting either or so ladies time to reflect what's the one thing you learned this week I was in training this week and I learned that the military kills lots of trees with all their paper they print out for our trees. Are your manuals like huge? And that's just the one that I take home to look through and return back. That's not all the ones like paper copies because internet don't be internet and sometimes so they have paper copies and them things sometimes I'd like 30 pages thick. Okay. Okay. So one thing I learned um, is that I don't know if my fur babies have true spatial relation because we had an incident where one legitimately handled his business on top of the other one. And it was a mess. And I didn't know that dogs did that. I thought they would go in their own little area and do what they got to do. But I don't know if it's a dominance thing. I don't know if one was just in the wrong space at the wrong time, but he also did move and you just sat there so I now know how to bathe dogs so yay okay yeah that's 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 the lesson this week um <laughs> and I'll say my lesson this week is understanding the difference between being extremely frustrated being envious and being jealous because they're all on the same spectrum but they're all extremely different so you're looking at me so I had this conversation for an hour and a half to two hours with a friend last night why because we were talking about a lot of stuff so it's a spectrum because at first you may start, you may be frustrated with something. And then that frustration may be caused by underlining a subconscious of envy or jealousy, but you classify it as frustration because who really wants to be or say, oh, I'm envious or jealous of someone, right? So it looks like this when it really is and you get to the roots, it's something else. Mind blown lesson this week, y'all. Yeah. Cause I saw the last two, but I didn't know how we got first. I just went dark. So <laughs> So today we are talking about loving yourself. Do, 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 do. But how do you define love? I don't know. So today's working definition of love comes from Oxford Languages, aka the dictionary used when you type stuff in the Google search bar. They define love as an intense feeling of deep affection or a great interest and pleasure in something. I like that. So for all of us, and I know we're all working on our own journeys, right, of self-love, but what does 
does loving yourself look like? I think for me, loving myself is, I think it starts with self-awareness and like at its, at its basic, basic core and stripping off ego, stripping down like all of the ideals that you may have and truly understanding who you are as a human being at its core and loving that person, appreciating that person, sitting in grace and gratitude with who you are at that moment for you know your past and everything that you've experienced up until this point and really getting familiar with that person and then building on top of that the, the things the characteristics the traits that you want to have in the person that you desire to become at the core of it you understanding who you are and then building upon that I think loving myself means being kind to myself and have I given y'all you know the rundown on nice versus kind okay so the difference between nice versus kind is niceness kind of addresses the surface. So say I'm sitting on the bus stop and it's cold and I don't have a jacket. A nice person would be like, oh, you're cold. Like, I bet that sucks. Whereas a kind person might be like, Tuffa, why do you come out of here with no coat on and it's cold? Here, take my coat. So the kind addresses the need. It might not be said in the best way. It might not take into consideration your emotions, but being kind means that they're addressing the need. Whereas being nice is the one that most of the time addresses like the tone and everything, but really they don't address the need. So being like good to myself or loving myself means being kind to me. I know I can be a critical person. So it's saying, listen, chick, slow your roll, ain't call for all of that. Like just being kind to me. I like that. And I think like for me, loving yourself is equal to loving your flaws, loving your present, your past, your future, loving every single cell that makes you you, even if it's something that you don't like, but you can like what it is, even if you don't like it, but you truly love yourself, right? Like you love everything, but also I think loving yourself is that you like being, being, spending time with yourself because I do feel like we're in a society where so many people don't like themselves because they don't love themselves. So you can't spend time with yourself. You don't date yourself. You don't, you don't even know what you even truly love about yourself. So I think like if you can look into the mirror and I saw this on um, some movie or something, but like if you look into the mirror and you can actually look in the mirror and look yourself in the eye for 10 to 15 seconds without breaking contact, you have a great relationship with yourself because most people will start to look in the mirror and they'll start like the, what is it called? Their eyes will start fluctuating or they'll like start looking at different things and they're like, oh, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. But if you can do that 15 seconds of looking at yourself in the mirror, like I love you. I love me. And talk to yourself it's totally different because to me I mean everything is in the window of the eye does it count if I look at myself in the mirror for 10 or 15 seconds and start doing my eyebrows no because you focus on those eyebrows <laughs> I'm focused on me what in a what way did, what it was the name say so as we have been growing right and we're adulting ish what are some things that on your journey of becoming adult that you had to I don't want to say I'm going to say challenges that you had to overcome of like learning how to love yourself whether that's like your dislikes your friends like what does that look like I ain't got no boobs and <laughs> you cannot open up to this question and then audience both their faces just drop and I feel like there were no parameters for this question so you can't judge me for what I had to come to terms with now you know post baby things also went exit stage left so I've just come to terms with until this mommy makeover is in full effect it's just gonna be the itty bitty titty community and it, it's 
fine. I'm going to be the secretary taking the money. I'm going to laugh. I laughed and did that look because as you know, I'm in that committee too. So, (laughs) but yes. And like, that was one thing that I would say I struggled with growing up of like coming from a big breasted family and everybody got big boobs and it's like, oh, look at your little mosquito bites. And it's like, how rude. (laughs) Don't you dare call these C-cups mosquito bites. But um, so that's one thing I struggled with too, accepting my beautiful teardrop boots. But I also said that the Lord can't give you hips, booty, and breasts because I ain't gonna know what to do with myself. I'm be out here like hot girl life. So he had to bring me down and keep me honest. I find this interesting conversation because our answers are similar. They're, they're physical features within ourselves. Granted, I am not part of the itty bitty titty committee at all in any way, shape, or form. Okay. These boobs got two letters. Okay. They're not small. However, comma, I remember being younger and thinking not necessarily that I was like overweight, but I've always been thick with two C's. I've always, I've always had some weight on me. And what's interesting is I always thought I, f- I feel more comfortable in this body now weighing more than I did back in high school than I did back then when you can actually see my collarbone and such back when that was uh, apparent it's kind of hidden right now but that's cool but I, I that was something that was always an insecurity with me and looking back at those pictures I was like I wasn't overweight at all like I wasn't necessarily like a big girl I'm a bigger woman now than I was then but I'm more comfortable in this skin and that that comes with time and with age and with self-love and all that kind of stuff but that was definitely something that I was concerned with and I have a short torso and my legs are really long so like my butt is higher and it was definitely a high booty was was a common nickname that I had and that was something to get adjusted to because that wasn't always I wasn't always a fan of that at all I like how I'm about to possibly go stage left but just hearing all of our answers it's funny because the thing that helped us get to the place where we got acceptance was our confidence group so even though we're like yeah we're with these features and they might not be ideal as we started being like well in spite of all that I'm still bomb like that's when we grow to accept it so there's something to be said about like your situation don't have to change but your mindset once that changes then you can look and start to see things from a different perspective and a more positive perspective I think that's interesting what both of y'all said um because I would say for me I'm seeing this shift of like from when I was in high school to where I am now and that shift is more focused on self-love more focused on mental health now versus back in the day it was not that like being your authentic true I love myself person we kind of thought those people were like the outcasts right like because I even think to go left of like Erica Badu when Erica Badu came out everybody was like she's weird but she's cool weird right and like now as I've gotten older and on this journey it's like I get it like she was expressing her authentic self and she knew who she was younger than we could even freaking figure out like what is algebra and why are we in this stupid class right and so I also want to follow up of like that was one thing with body image I struggled with a lot of like because I am shaped like as one of my friends says like a video vixen right and so (laughs) and so like having that shape all my life in my mind I thought like I didn't have the perfect shape because most of my friends were totally shaped differently than I was and so it wasn't until I got to I want to say like senior year freshman year where I really understood oh and this is like we'll talk about this probably another episode or we've already talked about this of like having friends that are jealous of you but hang with you and you don't understand oh they're jealous of something that I can't control like I didn't 
ask for this body. God gave it to me. But you're jealous of what I have because that's something you want, right? And it goes back to you didn't love yourself then and that same person, you don't love yourself now because it's the same thing. I definitely feel like there this in this this portion of what we're talking about can be its own like thing because most of us have had that struggle, have had those instances where we questioned ourselves, our physical features, why we have XYZ, why we don't have XYZ and things of that nature and what that does to your mentality over time. And I don't think we had the words, like you said, Nakai, for focusing on mental health and focusing on self-love when we were 14, 15, like in the in, in the height that is puberty and hormones and, you know, teenage dumb, you know what I mean? We didn't have the language for that, really. Like that wasn't a thing that existed in our world. We just knew these type of people get attention and they are popular or whatever. And these type of people are different and they're weird and they don't and we don't want to be by them or whatever that looks like in, you know, your experience. I think we've all had something similar to that. So yeah, that body image business, that was, those, those were some interesting years. Yeah, because I think to go along with you back in the day, you had two alternatives. Either you just dealt with it or you tried to like pray it away and people be acting like God is a mag- magical genie and he's just going to grant you your little wish and everything's going to be fine and it's going to be instantaneous and it's not like that. So that was false. And then telling people to just deal with it. Well, you can tell somebody you just deal with it, but how are you going to deal with it? Like, I feel like we didn't get that education that fortunately this new generation is getting of the how to deal with. And that's the most powerful part, right? Is the how. Like if you understand the how, you can do what you need to do. But I also think like we grew up in the time where, and I think you said it like in one of our previous episodes of our parents were parenting tired. Our parents were parenting through whatever trauma they had. And I say like, even thinking about this of like, some of our parents hated themselves and it sucks, but unconsciously that is passed down to your children. Because if you don't teach your child how to really love and appreciate themselves, then you're going to have an adult that's trying to, it's like a ping pong. You're going to have this adult like all over the place, just trying to figure out how to get into this space of, I accept myself. Right. And so like, even with that, like, how do y'all, or what was the hardest part of learning how to love yourself on this journey? I think one of the hardest part for me as a Black woman was recognizing my beauty and my worth outside of the male gaze. I was going to say, please don't stop there because you can't just drop that and then, you know what I mean? No, because to, you know, piggyback off what you said, Nakai, like if you got the body of a video vixen, then, you know, one might assume or think that you think that you're pretty because you have the male attention and you get all of this um, outside validation that you're beautiful, like you do this, you do that, but it's totally contingent upon your physical features, your body features, things that you have no control over, which is also why a lot of these women probably over here getting these medical, these enhancement surgeries and dang, they're killing themselves and putting false things in the body because let's be all the way real. In our culture, the booty is king. Like it's all about how wide your hips are, how big your booty is and how small your waist is. Like, and if you don't have all of those or if they're not in the proportion that's desirable, you could feel like, oh, I'm ugly. Nobody's going to want me, like all of these things. But it's when you separate the male gaze and outside external validation and say, well, okay, with these little bitty boobs, with this bigger waist, with this flat booty, do I still love me? That's when 
then, you know, you can learn to like truly, truly love yourself. So that's why I said, like when I stopped getting validation and trying to find my worth based on how many dudes wanted to talk to me or what they were saying about me, like how many wanted to get with me or whatever, that's when I really started to get all of the things internally that I needed. I think you said so many gems. And again, all of those could be episodes within itself. And the first one you said is how to love yourself without the validation of a male, right? Because again, I had a friend, we were talking about like this topic and this topic came up of like, cause she said the exact same thing of like, it's so hard to walk into a room with all men because you automatically know as a woman, they are not seeing you. They are objectifying your body. They are literally thinking, oh, do I want to have sex with her? right or if they like you or not like everything is a physical trait to them and oh I was just gonna say but let's keep it funky some people actually like it true that's where I was gonna go next and she was like some women actually feel like oh that's that's me being pretty and so when you said that of like how some people would assume because for me specifically that I have this body shape that oh I think like oh I'm shit I can do this and all that which it's interesting because when me and her had this conversation I told her I didn't realize I had this shape until someone else told me like I knew I had a body but I didn't know what that body was objectified in society until someone else had to actually bring it to my awareness right and with that I told her without that I was confident with it I will be confident and I'm going to be confident every single day of my life because I learned how to be happy with me and myself before someone I guess made me woke (laughs) and what that was but also you said something and that brought uh, the Beyonce song with her of like like the lady talking about how like instead of all of the women trying to go out their men and be competitors for men how about we go out and be competitors for jobs and see each other as not competition but support each other do y'all know what I'm talking about like that Beyonce audience If y'all are Beyonce fans, I know y'all know what I'm talking about because y'all are the beehive. Y'all know everything. Anyway, but she basically talks about, um, have y'all seen the Coachella? Anywho, so (laughs) when we are thinking about that of like loving ourselves, have you figured out what your own love language is to yourself? Do y'all know it? Quality time. Yeah, I agree. I think for me in in specifically focusing on just me and my love language to me is definitely quality time. I thoroughly enjoy time by myself, time where I'm quiet time where I can focus on things that I enjoy things that make me laugh things that you know fill me whatever that is even if it's doing something for someone else if that's focused on me and that's something that that's something that I enjoy then yeah definitely that quality time is that that's a major one oh and maybe even giving gifts because I feel like I deserve the world and I will give myself the world I love that I was gonna say mine is quality time so all three of us are on brand for that definitely quality quality time but I like how you said giving yourself gifts because if you can't treat yourself when others do it, it's kind of like a, what are you doing? Like you're questioning versus like you said, I deserve the world. Yes, I'm open to receive. I desire what I want and bring it to me. Okay. So, so on your journeys, have y'all ever experienced depression or went through any depression on your journeys? Looking back now that I know what that looks like for me, now that I have the language for it. Yes, absolutely. I definitely think there were in a couple of different instances throughout life where I had those depressive moments. I had those depressive um, episodes. I don't think it was always long going, but there were just certain times where things weren't like the greatest. And now as an adult, even recently,
recently having those moments where I realized that I was I was kind of tiptoeing into that area where I'm like, okay, I need to no longer do X, Y, Z because it's making me feel like this and this is depressive and that's not serving me. So, I mean, now I have the language. Now I have the the wherewithal, you know, to focus on that. But there were definitely times high school, definitely times in college, especially after losing my dad that absolutely. I didn't have the language for it then, but looking back, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think I suffered from depression, but I do think there was a time where I more readily engaged in self-destructive behaviors <laughs> and behaviors that were not the best for me, like too much out cheering in college and everything <laughs> you know doing things that I was grown and could be doing but really didn't have no business doing but just because I'm grown and ain't nobody here to check me I'm gonna do it anyway and thought I wanted to do it in the moment but looking back it really wasn't a want to do it more so feeling like that might be what you do to fit in or what you do to maintain a certain level of status or reputation or whatever you were having a hot girl uh, college experience before hot girl came hot. I was doing me. I would say to answer the question, um, yes, I have. I feel like I have been depressed in multiple times in my life. And again, like now understanding the symptoms and now understanding, like giving the words to it, I can actually see not just in myself, but others. Right. And it's so interesting uh, when you have people in your life that know the signs and tell you, but you're like, no, nah, that's not me. I'm just. I'm off. Like my energy is this, and, you know, I'm not, this isn't this. And they're like, no, this is really what it is. Right. But in our community as being black females and our black people, we're like, we don't get depressed. We just go pray. We just go to God. And I know we talked to Ebony Freeman in a previous episode of like how that's even more damaging of like, when we can't express, oh, this is something that's really hurting me. Then what do we do? We suppress it. But as we all know, when we suppress stuff in our bodies, our bodies can't hold a lot of emotional trauma or emotional damage. Um, And so what happens is it's going to come out in a different way and it's going to come out in health wise. So you're going to end up for, I would say for black women, you know, I think black, if I'm not mistaken, black women are the highest ones who have fibroids, right? So we're looking at, it may come out in fibroids. It may come out in diabetes. It may come out in cancer. It comes out, it's going to, it has to come out, but the problem is the way it comes out. Right. And so I think of like, even loving yourself through depression, loving yourself to get you out of that place, loving yourself to get you to a place where now, like you said earlier, Sonny D of that, you are better off now than you were in high school because you accept every single part and flaw of yourself. Yeah. And I think it's important to, when you, when you have that awareness and you recognize it's more than just my energy's off, it's more than just you're sad about something. Like once you have the, the knowledge and the information to identify the root of what's causing it and and it's fine that that happens it you know everybody goes through that you recognize it you acknowledge it and then you take whatever steps are necessary for you to get to the other side if that's something that you desire granted some people they're aware and they like to sit in it okay cool you live your life over there not over here i got stuff to do but i think that's important to when you have that self-awareness when you are that that's part of that self-love journey is accepting that you are in this moment acknowledge 
acknowledging, feel what you feel. Your feelings are valid. Feel what you feel in the moment, but you can't sit there. You know what I mean? You have to do what you need to do to move on the other side of that mountain so that you can continue on the journey that you've set for yourself and the path that you have for yourself in order to achieve all the things you want to achieve or live the life you want to live, blah, blah, blah. But it's, I think having that awareness, having that acknowledgement of it is also incredibly key. Ladies, y'all don't have to, y'all can, you know, disclose how much you want to disclose and you don't have to tell about antecedents or whatever. But since you all both said that y'all, you know, hindsight had situations where you were depressed, what did that look like for you? Because sometimes we do call depression just feeling sad for a period of time or like you said, low energy. So what behaviors in hindsight let y'all know that, hey, I was depressed? For me, I've been thinking back on this just now. I specifically remember after my dad passed, somehow I allowed myself to get into this situation ship where I was like, I'd also had, granted, I'd also had like a major breakup. My, my first boyfriend, my first love, we broke up in the midst of my dad being sick and being in the hospital and all that stuff. So, and then after he passed, so now I've lost two people that I really care about in, in a short amount of time. And now I don't know what to do with all these emotions. I ended up in this situation ship where I was like, I could do a casual relationship. It's fine with no li- lies. <laughs> lies okay lies also homeboy was older like older okay almost double digits older so eh, honestly I was like sanity there was like a a small part of me in the back of my mind that was like bitch what is you doing What are you doing? You, this is no, you don't do casual. That's not you. And I'm like, it's fine. I've never done it. I don't know. Maybe I am the casual person. I'm not. I figured that out. And now in retrospect, realizing that that time in my life was me trying to redirect emotion and not having the skill set to acknowledge that that's what I was going through. And that's why these certain decisions and me hanging out with certain people was something that I was doing because now I don't know where to place all these things that I'm feeling. So at that time, in that particular instance that's what that looked like for me for me I would say the specific behaviors were because I'm very I am very picky of what I eat and so for me it was noticing that I was eating like pizza almost consistently every single day and I have I'm a very routine person and noticing that my routine was off and so what triggered uh me of saying like this is more than my energy this is more than something I could probably handle on my own is when it was more than a week and this was consistent and I'm like wait a minute this ain't right and so the thing about when you're going through you don't want to tell anybody else because of the stigma that may come to you so for me that's when I knew that I had I needed outside help and so that's when I reached out to a therapist now was the process to get a black therapist easy in San Diego y'all need to do better because it was not San Diego do better anywho but thank you mom me because you were there <laughs> but understanding like I felt like at that time I had two two directions I can go one I could stay in this and continue to get deeper and deeper and deeper or make that decision to figure out what is best for me and how to get out of it because at the end of the day this isn't the life I want right and so uh looping it all the way back to positive thinking if your subconscious is not programmed to really get you through those tough times it is easy to stay 
stay in that. It is easy to go further and further and further and be that woe is me, life sucks, everything is happening to me versus this is all. Something in my brain is telling me this is not right. I need help. But honestly, for me also, I had vision boards around of like looking at these vision boards. I'm like, this isn't the woman I want to be. This isn't the person I want to be. This isn't the, I don't even eat pizza like this every single day. What the hell? Like Pizza Hut and I, they knew me. This was too much. So, so at that point it was like, I needed, those are the behaviors I specifically noticed for myself of like, I'm not coming back here. So now years later, for me, that's my trigger of like, if I know my diet or I'm going to say my livid plan of how I eat is different or starting to go left. My first question is, what am I worried about? What's worrying me? What's, what's stressing me? Because something is about to happen and I need to put a stop to it before it gets too far off. Gotcha. Thanks. That was such a good question, though, because I mean, how many of our friends, family members that we know that are going like as of now going through depression or going through this self-hate journey of going through, I don't love myself, so I'm acting out or I'm looking for validation in somebody else, you know? Baby, baby, baby. And they don't see it. But then like they got all them gray storm clouds above their head to where you don't even want to be bothered with so yeah yeah like going on decades of being in that same mentality being in that same space like Nay said not really realizing it there are some people that realize it and they just that's comfortable that's familiar for them that's all that they know they don't know how to get out of it so they just stay where they are and mind you with my very limited very tiny amount of psychological background per college you able to see and to recognize like some of these symptoms and in some of these behaviors in these people that you love and you care about and the only way that they can move through this is if they themselves acknowledge it and they decide you know they themselves desire to move on and it's definitely I mean with us in our community like it's it's everywhere I agree and I think it's like for me it's the hardest when you you can see the um what is it called the pride before the fall right and you see it you know where it's going and it's like you can't warn people because it's like even if I say it, you don't you don't hear it from me you can't listen to me because you feel, and I can only speak from me and my experience because I had a friend that told me, well, you have everything. You have it all together. You have this and this and this. So you never, you don't even understand what I'm going through. And it's like, cool, my hands are off. And I say that because like, part of me is like, oh, you can only give so much to people. But when people see you in a certain light and they put you on a certain pedestal, anything you say is going to come out as judging for lack of a better word. Right. And it's like, I'm not judging you. I'm trying to help you, but my help may not be what you need at this time because you need probably probably a therapist right or like honestly it's like I'm trying to get you to love yourself because if you loved yourself you would understand your worth and if you understood your worth you would understand that this situation is not even great for you this situation is harming you and others around you but you can't see that because you don't love yourself yeah man and that's hard too because you especially for someone that's that's really close to you whether that's a really close friend whether that's a, a sibling a relative or someone that you're really close to and they have their perspective that they have and they have their life experiences and you want to be that support you want to be that you know in- encouragement for them but you can't do it for them like and it's tough to walk away in a sense or like to let it go you know what I'm saying and I definitely had a situation where I had someone that was close to me that was spiraling okay like legitimately spiraling and from traumatic experiences and something you know a traumatic event that happened but you kind of have to like love from a distance at that point 
point and support from a distance for them. And thank God they managed to, to move on the other side of that. But it was tough just kind of watching the forest burn and hoping it would put itself out. So you mentioned something earlier, Nakai, about, and we, we kind of touched on it with like the self-hate in, in relation to depressive behaviors and stuff like that. So I'm curious, like, was there ever a point in y'all's life that you had, even think about like retrospectively, that there was any part of yourself that you hated? I know we had things that like we disliked and things that we maybe wanted to better, but did you, did you guys ever experience any of those like self-hate instances or, or anything like that? For me, I would say yes in two different ways. One, well, technically three different ways. One really quickly was, this is... One, I, colorism, right? Because for me, I thought in my mind, I was chocolate. Like I legit in my mind thought I was probably like, how can I say this? Like, uh, not Lupita, but like Viola. Like I legit in my mind thought that was my color, right? Because that's the color of my mom. That's the color of my grandfather. That's the color of like every beautiful person in my family. So in my mind, that's what I was. I didn't realize it until I, and even all the people I hung out with were all five or six shades lighter than I was at this skin color, right? And so it was brought to my attention in college when somebody who was Viola Davis color and I'm talking, I was like, oh my gosh, we're the same skin tone. And she's like, like this look she gave me was, she threw a knife at me (laughs) and then just walked off like, you're crazy. And so after having a conversation with her, it was like eye-opening. And so for me, it was like, I didn't realize it was not self-hate, but colorism that I was struggling with. The second thing is I realized self-hate and other. And that's something I was, unfortunately, I would say is a skill that I have or quality that I have that I can recognize that really quickly, but also it sucks because I can recognize that really quickly. Right. And so growing up, I could see like, oh, this person doesn't like themselves. Oh, this person is insecure. Oh, this person is going through this. Let me, again, we talked about in another um, episode of like, that's how I can quickly categorize people like, nah, we ain't even going to be friends. Like you stay in your zone. Let me stay in mine because I see what you're doing and I see how you move. Right. And then the other thing was going Going back to body shape of like, I never had self-hate for mine, my personal body shape, but I had hatred for people who classified me or put me in a category because of the way I was shaped, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely, definitely makes sense. It, it's interesting that you say that because minors are similar in that fact. Also, like I had friends that were a lighter complexion than me that seemingly got more attention. Now, mind you, I always thought it was cute. That's never been an issue. Okay. I knew that my mom always told me and I was like, you're right. I agree. But I did have friends that were a lighter complexion to me. And I remember, I think I probably was like in high school, somewhere mid high school, where I was recognizing that some people were garnering more attention than others. Some people, meaning people who are lighter complexed than I am. And granted, I'm not the most chocolatiest person. Milk chocolate. Let's just say there, even though I'm definitely a dark chocolate type of gal, milk chocolate is probably where I'm at, right? If we're going to do the food comparison thing. But there, I definitely had friends where that were, you know, caramel, maybe a little, you know, coffee with a lot of creamer in it type of situation. And it was interesting. And I had, I was used to it. Like that was, that was just life. I was used to it. That's all that I knew. That's all that I saw. It wasn't until we had gone on vacation with these group of friends where we went to Jamaica and we went to a country where we're no longer the minority. People non-melanated, they're the minority. They're the ones that stick out like a sore thumb. We only stuck out when we opened our mouth and we, 
had these good old American Texas accents, right? And it was interesting because then at that point, I started noticing attention was on me and not on my friend. She was having a really hard time with that. That was a whole other thing. She was having an issue with that because she's used to it. She was used to all the attention. I was used to her getting the attention. That's cool. That's fine. Now all the attention's on me and I'm like, what is happening? I don't know what's going on. Like you got people looking at me. I'm I'm in Jamaica. I'm in like a bathing suit and a cover up and stuff. So like thighs is out. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm at the beach. What do you expect? Like thighs is out and I'm getting all this attention. <laughs> my poor mother who's also lighter complexion than me. I have my dad's complexion. She was like, why don't you put some pants on? And I'm like, I'm at the beach. Why would I put on pants? But maybe she was noticing it also. I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. But I thought that that was really interesting. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do with this new information. I think you said something that I hope we talk about in a later episode of when you get unwanted male attention, how do you handle it? And the switch of when you realize you have male attention, because I don't think, and I can't speak for y'all, but for me growing up, my family did not teach me how to deal with male having the attention of males right like and not just like oh when you walk into a room just have the mindset of blah 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 you know luckily for me I hung out with a lot more men I mean well they're men now they were boys when we were in high school (laughs) I hung out with a lot more boys so I had an insight to how they think and what they see right but that preparation is so needed for females of when you step outside these doors this is what men will see this is what they will think of you you are and you are wearing this they don't see that you you created this beautiful and I say this because I told my little sister this like you created this beautiful outfit like if I was younger I would rock that however big caveat really 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 big one you are a certain age with a certain body type because my sister is like the perfect like ideally perfect body shape that everybody wants she has perfect size boobs perfect really really tiny waist perfect butt she's tiny she's fit everything right but when she goes out and I told her I was like even the females you hang around they're hanging around you because they know you are the one that's going to attract them they are the ones that want and I said you have to understand this baby because men and the way they think are totally different they they see with their eyes first and then they process later right but that one vision that they have seen of you can stay in their head many 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 times and it's on replay so while you're just walking to the store and you're all cute that male has taken a mental picture of you and may go home sorry listeners but it's the real as in um nay's word let's be real or let's be honest they're probably going to masturbate to that mental image of you and now this is what people have people create stalkers and killers and stuff like that so i just feel like when you said that like we need to prepare our beautiful black young women for that yeah and i i had no like i don't recall any sort of conversation about prepping for that aside from the whole modesty thing you know what i mean and not you know dressing modest modestly and putting on certain type of clothing so blah blah it was always a a defensive position as far as as opposed to an offensive position and I didn't even I wasn't even aware until that trip that there was a difference in perspective of what's attractive in one culture versus another you know what I mean I'd only seen one I'd only been to one place right and I knew that within my world of the people that I would be around I'm not the 
the one that 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 gets the looks and stuff occasionally, but not all the time. And that's all that I knew. That was fine. I didn't know anything else. Why, why was I going to be mad? But going to another country and now I have the attention. It's like, is this what you deal with on a regular basis? Because this is odd. And you, I don't, I'm lost. I'm confused. I don't, I don't, I mean, I know I'm cute, but like, I didn't, I didn't get it. It was odd. So I hear, I hear what y'all are saying. And I guess as the resident one who got the conversation of you can't wear white capri pants because of the image these little boys are going to get, or you can't wear like certain shorts because your thighs are thick and all of that stuff. So really, and I don't, it was not meant to be malicious or anything. It was meant as protection, but the stifling and the policing of your clothes because they fit and lay on you a certain way where Becky Ann can wear the same size shorts with the same size hemline and she's fine. But because you got, what did Candy say? Legs and hips and body, yada, yada. You over here got to wear a sheet. I, I just take issue with that because yeah, those men are going to look, they're going to have those dreams, but let's be real. I mean, back in my unmarried days, but if a certain type of brother came with some gray sweatpants on, y'all don't know what I'm doing when I go to sleep either. So like you can't, you can't police yourself based on what somebody else is going to do. Cause at the end of the day, that man is in control and ha- is responsible for his actions, both verbal and physical. And that should not be dependent on what you put on your body, the way it sits on your body. I feel like too many times as black women, we're told and women in general, oh, if you didn't wear that, or if you didn't do this, didn't do that, da, 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 it wouldn't happen to you. In the country that I'm in right now, some of these hemlines on these 12 year olds, I'm like, honey, I see your cheeks. And I feel like I'm a predator because you are 12 and I'm, I'm not searching for your cheeks. But if I look ahead and I see cheeks, well, that I just looked at a 12 year old's cheeks. Like, yeah, but it's, I think that American perspective of the body is something to be lusted after and not a tool to use to get through the day and everything else. So those were just my little two. Yeah, same, same thoughts. And it's interesting too, because even in my mid thirties as a grown woman asterisk my mother still does this thing where she pulls up my tops because of cleavage and so I naturally have cleavage or whatever and she's constantly pulling things up or wanting me to wear a cami and I'm like ma'am at this point like I'm a grown I wear things because I'm comfortable in them and I'm comfortable in my skin and I'm comfortable in this outfit just like they said it's that that policing of of clothing that's a whole that's that's a whole other thing but I keep telling my mom to leave my cleavage alone not gonna lie, I am proud to be about a boy mom though for some of those reasons. Get it. Um, so ladies, this is such a great episode and I do not want to stop. So there may be a part two, question mark, question mark. We'll see. But what is one thing you will tell to your younger self or to a young person you know about loving your the journey of loving yourself? That's a good question. I think that's a really important question for younger Sunny D, for younger people in general, boys and girls, women and men, ladies and gentlemen, is that you, there's only one you. My my father used to say this all the time. My daddy always said this. You're the only you you got. <laughs> it's 
what he would say specifically. And you're made specifically for a specific purpose. And how you are in the way that you are is enough. That's it. You are enough. Whatever you decide to do for you, for your life, for your self-worth, for your self-being, your self-awareness or whatever, that's enough. And everybody else can kick rocks. I think I would tell myself that the journey to loving you is a journey and it's not going to be easy, but there's beauty in that because a pearl is also being agitated by them. Like through that agitation, through that work, you get a beautiful pearl. So while it is a journey, it's going to be difficult. There's beauty on the other side. And who's to say I wouldn't appreciate me, flaws, faults, and all if it came easy. Like there's something to be said about the struggle that makes things worth it in the end. My initial thing is that um, understand the process of a grape make a grape turning into wine because in order for a grape in order for you to get the wine the grape has to go through immense pressure struggle and things like that right to get this beautiful product however within all of that and within on this journey my one piece of advice would be to really date spend time love on engage in self-love of yourself by yourself with yourself reflect on every single thing understand why the emotions are coming up understand all of that because if you can get to that point and you understand that journey or you understand that along your journey your journey is going to be beautiful because no matter what like y'all both said no matter what others say it's not going to penetrate you you you're good you got this because you know who you are you know whose you are and you know what you are capable of and you know that work with that being said it seems like we have all been on this journey of loving ourselves so much that we know our self-worth our self-love and we believe in ourselves so much that we know we are the shit cannot tell us anything and if y'all try to come for us in the comments believe me all you do is got to see these three faces and you know we cute boo so with that a word from our sponsors hey beautifuls this message is brought to you by the grass is greener on the other side where we help women who have anger sadness and shame from being cheated on learn how to heal and take their power back so they can regain confidence restore their peace and attract the life of their dreams we can be found on ig at brianna underscore latrice that's spelled b-r-i-a-i-n-a underscore l-a-t-r-i-c-e and for all of the where's my blueprint podcast listeners we're offering free 15-minute discovery calls so if you're ready to regain and restore that self-love self-worth and self-belief back in yourself shoot me a dm for a free discovery call today because my motto is honey leave that cheater and find your peace if you're interested in joining my new course rejection is redirection using your past as a reference not a residence you can email me at a fair recovery coach at gmail.com or you can shoot me a dm at brianna underscore latrice see you on the call we're about to transition into moments of melanation moments of melanation moments of melanation is where we highlight a black person doing their thing today for moments of melanation we are highlighting Today, you guys, we are highlighting Black Lit, okay? So this whole company, this whole premise of this company, I absolutely love. And it definitely ties into self-love and self-awareness that we've been talking about this whole episode. So this is a, a monthly subscription box, okay, that highlights Black authors and businesses. So 10th grade teacher Nia Taylor Clark founded Black Lit in 2019 in response to learning how her Black students viewed reading. She had a conversation 
conversation with one of her students and they were talking about books or something like that. And the response she got was, I'm Black, I don't read. And that inspired her to really evaluate how her Black students were learning and and what their views on on reading. And so she went on this mission to close that literacy gap and the Black Lit was created. So what I love about this site, the site is IamBlackLit.com. There's all kinds of stuff that she has on on the site. There's merch, there's, um, I think she has uh, like a blog and stuff like that, but there's this subscription box that you can subscribe to monthly that packs and organizes books by Black authors that tell Black stories, that highlight Black businesses. And she wanted to create something that was available to people so that they could see themselves in literature. You know what I mean? So that her students could read something that reflects similar to their experiences or that reflects similar to what their goals and their missions are. And I absolutely love what this stands for. I love the purpose behind it. And I, I, I mean, when I saw it, I just, I had to, to let you guys know about this because I think it's so incredibly important. I don't, I don't remember reading a whole lot of Black stories in school, not until college when I actually took an African-American lit class that I had to pay for, mind you. But like in school, I don't remember reading a bunch of stories that were similar to experiences that I had or experiences that people that look like me have had, like in my family or people that I knew. And I think that this is really a great resource for youth, for people in general, just to see themselves reflected in actual literature, in businesses and things like that. So have you guys seen this site? Have you heard of it? Like, what are your thoughts? So my thoughts are, honey is about to get all my money because I am definitely a blurred. I am a Black nerd. I love a book. I used to get in trouble when I was younger for reading. I had a book wherever I went, like at the library. I was the little kid checking out 20 books in all of four, six. (laughs) So I love all of this. I love this one t-shirt and it says like a Black woman. So speak like Amanda, compete like Serena, fight like Stacey, educate like Rita, God like Harriet, fly like May, write like Maya, protest like Rosa, stand like Tyrana, lead like Michelle, represent like Cicely in the cart immediately, like the sweatshirts that says books are my love language. Yes, please. All day long. I I love this. Like my feelings got hurt when you said that her student said, I'm Black, I don't read. What? Yeah. Let's keep it all the way funky. In the society that we live in, the only escape sometimes that we have as Black people and Black women is through a book, is through another like world. So yeah, I was saddened, but now I'm like, I'm gonna buy all this merch. So when I saw this, you were literally my first thought. When I found this, I said, oh, Nay's gonna lose her mind. she's gonna love everything about this this is definitely why I wanted to bring it up because I mean this this whole thing is amazing I mean they are gonna get all the coins though to end this I would say first and foremost thank you so much for finding this because I do think this is like one that needs to be recognized and like they say a lot of this stuff I already started putting in a cart so I already have my three shirts my sweatshirt and my box but I also love that she saw a need and she acted because I do feel like we are in a society where we see something 
happen and nothing happens. We're, we're just bystanders. So for her to see this, do something and help, that's great because unfortunately it is true. A lot of black families don't read. And the crazy thing is they may have these back in the day that were called Jet Magazines. I don't know if Jet is still in pro, uh, publication, but Jet Magazines and stuff like you have all these magazines, but you don't sit and take the time to read with your child, you know? And that is something that I don't know if that was passed down generation, generation. I don't know why, but understanding the value that you can get in a book, because there used to be um, saying of like, if you want to hide something from a black person, put it in a book because they don't read. They won't take the time to learn. But that's the thing. Uh, if you can understand to read and you understand the value of reading, you understand you can educate yourself and you can understand you can get yourself out of any situation because what we what do we know? Most white people put all of the information you need to know in a book. Just read it. So kudos to this young lady. I am so grateful for her and glad that she pulled this off. And so with that, everybody, you know, we end every single episode with an affirmation. And today's affirmation is... Today's affirmation is, I deserve and desire loving relationships in my life, starting with myself. Okay, I like that. All right, then, all right. We deserve it all. We deserve it all. Uh, and so thank you all for listening to this episode. I hope you guys learn something, pick up some few gems here and there because this episode was really good and weird. And so with that, we want to say thank you. Follow us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. Um, check out the blog at whereismyblueprintpod.com and check us out and interact with us on all social medias. Thank you. We're over and out. Bye. Peace out. <laughs>